From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Ernson. This is your news for Thursday, June 1st. When Jeff Gutierrez first moved to Moab, he fell in love with the sound of this place. He says he'd never heard an echo in a canyon before coming here. And as a musician, he was inspired. A couple years ago, he started a tour guiding business called Natural Resonance. He takes people on hikes out to sandstone amphitheaters and plays saxophone. It's a perfect match of stuff for me. It's like all my passions, music, sharing wilderness with other people. He took me out yesterday, and at the very beginning of the hike, we got a little surprise echo sound check. Wow. Where did it? Oh. Hard to tell. I bet we'll see some dust. Is that good luck or bad luck? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The best. What kind of music do you play when you take people on these tours? You know, sometimes I'll play songs. But the coolest thing about playing out here is hearing all the echoes bouncing back. And so I play very differently out here than I would with a band at Woody's or something like that. What is it about the echoes that you like? I feel like a bat, like some kind of sonar animal. And you can, you can hear the shape of the canyon. And you can hear these notes just like bubbling around through the corners and through the, the twists and bends of these canyons. It makes the instrument feel so much larger. It feels like the canyon is the instrument. At least that's the kind of mind frame that I try to get in. Like, uh, you know, on the saxophone, it's this brass instrument with this wooden reed. And so the reed is the thing that's vibrating and that's making the actual sound. And then the instrument is amplifying that and broadcasting it out way more than just that little reed could do on its own. And so I try to think of myself playing as the saxophone player, like I'm that reed and this canyon is the instrument. What is it about the saxophone that you like? At this point, it feels natural to me. It feels like my voice, feels like my singing voice. And uh, I love how expressive it can be. Really conveys a lot of emotion. Uh, It can be loud, it can be really soft, it can sound like it's wailing. I think when I was young and first starting off, one of the things that drew me to it was just the look of it. You know, it's shiny, it's all curvy. (laughs) This is my little guy, this is an alto saxophone. It's kind of my beater horn, you know, It's it's not the fanciest of saxophones. And so, it's small, it's portable, works well on a hike just like this. Before he started playing, he asked everyone to tune their ears to the sounds that were already happening around them. You know, so many different sound sources are out there right now. It's the obvious one, there's the plane. But what other, what other sounds are you hearing in this canyon, I thought? Birds. Birds, yep. What else we got? 
Cricket. Cricket. Mosquito. <laughs> bee. Yep. Some wind every once in a while. And so just like a, a symphony, you know, you've got sounds that happen throughout the whole time. Sometimes that's like a percussion section or something playing a repetitive drum beat. Out here, I hear that as like the wind, you know, even the airplanes, insects buzzing around. So do you know what you're going to play already? Mm. Nope. Be mostly improvising. You know, sometimes on the hike, if music comes up in conversation or something like that, and if somebody mentions some specific song, especially that I know, I'll try to, you know, take a mental note about that and throw it in there sometime. When I'm playing, I'm really listening closely to what's going on, too, and trying to fit inside of it. And sometimes I even like getting a little, you know, back and forth. I like to think of it as a conversation with like a raven or something like that. And I'm going to try to talk to him if I get him talking. and then I'll stop and listen for the echoes and how they're bouncing back. And usually there's just this natural syncopated rhythm that bounces back. So you can just play one note, bop, and then off in the distance from these different directions you hear bop, 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 something like that. And then the really fun challenge is grooving with it. And so there's like this natural, groove or like little rhythmic figure that is naturally in the soundscape here and to try to find ways to play around with that and groove with it and be in the same tempo and uh, you know like jump on top of it sometimes so it's almost like you're playing harmony with yourself that's a really fun challenge You can find more information about natural resonance in today's show notes. Sixteen years ago, Telluride residents made a commitment to preserve a vast meadow and marshland west of town known as the Valley Floor. This February, the town of Telluride made its final payment on the bond to acquire and protect the open space, placing it securely in the hands of the community. Recently, some of Telluride's youngest students visited the valley floor for a day of learning in both natural science and community spirit. KOTO's Gavin McGough reports. And so, do you have yours? Okay, are you ready for your very important question? Who do you think owns the valley floor? Who do you think? You. Oh, jeez, I wish. If I did, I would do what already happened. I would give it to all of you, because that's what happened. This valley floor belongs to all of us. 
There's no houses out there. There's no golf course. It's all been preserved for all of you. The town already celebrates Valley Floor Day on May 9th, and we try to make our day as close to that as possible. But today, as you can see, is a beautiful day with the birds singing, and we're super happy to be out here with the kids. It's May 17th, and it's Valley Floor Day for Telluride Elementary's youngest students. Executive Director of the Pinhead Institute, Sarah Holbrook, is greeting classes and telling them the idyllic marshland just below town is theirs for posterity. Although Pinhead organizes the annual day of experiential education, folks from nonprofits across town turn out to lead activities ranging from a pollinator scavenger hunt to a miniature historic construction project. Teresa Kanishnuk of the Telluride Historical Museum explains the gist of her station. The first peoples who lived here were, and still are, the Ute peoples. And on the valley floor, they would come here in the summers and build hunting shelters. So we're going to engineer a shelter with the kids. Kind of, they would call them wiki-ups, but people also probably think of them as teepees. Over by the river, which is running high and brown with spring snow belt, Elena Hauser says she'll go more into the science side of things. I work at the water and wastewater plant for the town of Telluride, so I'm going to be talking about nutrients in the river and how that affects the life and the biology in the rivers. And then we're going to do a little activity where we throw the pine cones or sticks or whatever floats into the river and see which side of the river moves quickest. Observing the water rushing by will teach kids about the erosion, which has carved out the box canyon they call home. Or that's the theory, at least. Adrian Berger from the San Miguel Watershed Coalition adds, really, it's the values behind the day, which he hopes stick with the kids over the years. I don't think they'll remember a ton of the specifics, but I hope that this up-and-coming generation just remains appreciative of the space and gets to utilize it, whether it's for fishing or paddleboarding or just going on a hike or whatever it might be, and that they can appreciate the ecological values, not just the recreational values. At the pollinator station, first grader Rock Owens has found something he'd like to share. Go for it. A butterfly? Maybe baby bees? And are these all pollinators? Um, yes. Bella Karali, who reports she's seen ducks and algae in the pond, says this isn't her first time coming out to the valley floor. Uh, we've been here out before. And uh, what's your favorite thing about getting out here? Today makes special because it's like we get to explore the nature and um, explore new animals and it's so fun being out in nature. For Leah Cristodoro, director of the Telluride Institute's Watershed Education Program, the repetition of the day is part of its importance. I just love that it happens every year. I think it's a great opportunity for kids to um, explore their own connection with nature and reciprocity with land. Um, and starting that young helps us create stewards when they're older. I think it's important. The Valley Floor Day is now in its sixth year. It greeted countless excited kids with a display of animal and bird life, budding flora, and the signs of a Telluride spring arriving at long last. Holbrook agrees, having kids back again and again will drive home their belonging in this place.
if you think of it, there are three different grades here, the kindergartners, the first graders, and the second graders. So the second graders will have been out here for the third time in three years, and that's a lovely thing. And I think kids do feel, as they get older, more kind of empowered to think of this place as their own and, and a place full of bounty and wonder. This is Gavin McGough. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, June 1st. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.